1: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: This is a test of the Cabin Country Broadcast System. The broadcasters of your area, in voluntary cooperation with the fishing, hunting, and cabin construction authorities, have developed this system to keep you informed in the event of an outdoors emergency. If this had been an actual emergency, an early start to the smelt run on the Knife River, record numbers of pheasant flushes near French Lake, or a sale on the triple-glazed windows and pine paneling at Cross Lake Lumber, the attention signal you just heard would have been followed by official information, news, or instructions. This station, WCCN, serves the greater cabin country area. This concludes the test of the Cabin Country broadcast system. From the glow of St. Paul's Number 1, welcome to another edition of Cabin Country. Give us the time and we'll take you out of the traffic and away from the levee. Let's find the place where the looms call out among the moonlit waves, where the wind sighs among the Norway pines. Pull up a dock chair, have a sip of your coffee, and get a line in the water. This is Cabin Country. Now here's Bjorn Lloydstead, and I'm Fudd Klugman, with another woodland escape. Well, all right, welcome once again to Cabin Country. Welcome I'm back. I'm yes, Fudd and Klugman. And
1: I am Bjorn Lloydstead.
0: We've got a... A relatively nice summer evening here at the end of June, and uh, well, as we can sometimes hear, summertime at uh, the, near the Oakdale Studios, a lawnmower in the background. Absolutely, Neighbors keeping that keeping that lawn, keeping the lawn. Actually, you know, we've had some very dry weeks recently, and and the lawnmowers were silent because it was so dry.
1: Perhaps perhaps the neighbor will take some shots of his final product and turn it into, look at that lawn. Look at <laughs> that right. lawn. Get in on the running for this yes. week's star prize. Right, right. Which well, has yet to be determined. But, Fud, uh, you're telling me you just got back from the fabulous Gull River location. That's I'm, right. Anxious to hear.
0: Went up again with uh, Molly and the girls, and um, the weather wasn't too bad. I was all ready to grab that uh, little window unit air conditioner because oh, yes. I'm afraid I'm all about uh, comfort, folks. And Cabin country with just a touch of modern modern comfort. Yes, that's right. But it was just it was just fine, and um, I, I I didn't see any geese around. Nary a goose. Um, at least our property. I think l- later during the trip I had seen that they were well carousing in the yard. Couple of couple of lots down. A couple of lots down. So thankfully they weren't uh, weren't in our yard. Not proving, too many humans. No golden say. retriever. Right, <laughs> rolling around and getting <laughs> yeah. smudged with fragrance. Oh, it's just
1: it's awful. It is but certainly a thing.
0: I think one of the kind of the most exciting m- moments, though, is the, that I had this thought to check my dad's tackle box. Yes, for the long lost chipmunk Louis. Chipmunk and sure enough I opened it up and right on the top tray it was waiting for you there it was so I thought wait a minute in fact it even looked smaller than I remembered is this the same Shrunken lure with age that I lost so I took a snapshot of it with the phone and texted it at it to my dad and said give me a call so he <laughs> d- so he did and uh, I, I asked him if you know do you remember when you got this or found it and he said he didn't remember and I said, I think it's my long-lost chipmunk it's lure. It's the chipmunk. And he said, Well, that's fu- yeah. You can have it. I I can't remember where I got it, so it's yours. So I, yeah, I I think that was it. Tearful homecoming. Now I now I won't have to uh, go on eBay and debate whether or not to spend one hundred and twenty dollars <laughs> for one just for posterity and and the memory of it. I, if, if, if you don't remember the story, I, I bought it for 10 cents 10 at a garage cents. sale when I was cents. probably nine ten years old. There you go. And uh, even had the box way back when. And oh, I'm, wow. I'm, I'm sure I could be asking $120 for it on <laughs> eBay if I had the box. But no, that's all right. I'm just going to keep it. Maybe I'll cast it out uh, when we head up ourselves right. next week. a couple week.
1: Of weeks here. Next week. That's right. Perhaps that uh, chipmunk jitterbug will take to the water. Right. See what, it see if comes it actually
0: can. I mean, I never have
1: caught anything. Well, just remind on. you to make sure your leader is tied tight, Fudd. So, we will. But, um,
0: anyways, the, the mention of the geese reminds me of uh, a birding book that uh, I had gotten last for my birthday last December, just before Christmas. Indeed. And uh, it was a, it was an unusual birding book. One that uh, I opened it up and started reading, and I ch- laughed as hard as I can remember laughing <laughs> in years. It just uh, I read, read them aloud to uh, my, my wife and girls who got the book for me, and uh, they, I think, delighted I don't know if it was they were laughing at me laughing so hard, <laughs> or the descriptions themselves. This is a it's a, a book entitled "The Field Guide." To dumb birds of North America, indeed, and perhaps a number of our listeners are are already familiar with it. It's by an author, illustrator, artist Matt Crocked uh, in the Seattle area, up in Washington State, and um, oh my God, it's 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 beautiful. So I thought, what, uh, why don't I try to give Matt a call or or reach him, you know, by some kind of social sure, media? Yeah, reach out. And sure enough, uh, uh, he he answered. And said, "Sure, I'd I'd love to be on your podcast. That sounds that sounds great." And I I thought, "Oh my gosh, this guy! I mean, this book I think is is already been labeled a national bestseller. I think on Amazon, so wow. so it's getting out there." But uh, I did ask Stan Tequila if he'd heard about it. I just emailed him, and he said, "No, I haven't. Sounds funny though." So I wasn't sure. I thought, "Well, maybe a true naturalist might." Uh, Take Not umbrage. Take umbrage about all this profanity use and yeah. the, <laughs> the language to describe. Because the, the, the book is like it's written by somebody who just, like, hates birds. Has had enough. Had enough. But obviously, the, you know, Matt has done a lot of research and, and knows quite a bit of about the birds. So even though it's funny and sometimes profane, it's actually quite accurate. Oh, it's outstanding. And, and his drawings... Again, look like the, the angry scribblings of a, of a bored art student or something while he's <laughs> on a long zoom class or something like that. Right. Oh.
1: The timing of this seems uh, wonderfully ironic, FuD, because we all appreciate the beauty and the wonder of a huge V of Canada geese, you know, flying right. southward in, in the, the autumn laws, autumn, autumn mornings, autumn evenings, a beautiful bird, at the same time. Our listenership will, will vouch for the fact that there's been a bit of an ongoing struggle between the Klugman estate and, and a flock of the Canada geese that love your dock, love your front yard, yes. love to offer things to your dogs to roll around in. It's, they're, they're omnipresent. And, and as a guy who likes to run slash cycle around some of the lakes here in the greater Twin Cities area, you have to be careful when you see right. a... a a flock of them on the shore of a lake uh give them a wide berth yes you know uh wild or tame i just remember my my farmer grandparents talking about don't let them pinch you (laughs) you will never forget that pinch oh my goodness they're that's a big bird with a lot of power so it's ironic that we love the canada goose a beautiful bird at the same time in the last two three decades have become almost a borderline pest Right. In parts of, of, of Cabin Almost Country. So it's 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 interesting that uh Matt has a great section <laughs> on birds just like the Canada goose. And and the artwork is outstanding and done with kind of a frenetic passion. Oh yes. The birds are accurate. You know what it is when you look at it. They're well done. Oh, yeah. There's no question this man's an artist. Uh but but with a with a kind of a innate fury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's looking at the other side of things, like perhaps Matt was met by a goose at some point who said, that's the back of your knee, and this is my bill. Bonk. Come Cut. here, crunch. You know, it's, it's, it's beautiful. And so what a perfect time for this interview. And
0: and before we start that, let's uh, just give you a taste of what uh, the book contains. I'll open up to the, uh, the, the Canada goose. Well, here we go. Um, but first, folks, we have to warn you, that uh, some of the language used in tonight's episode may not be suitable for for those who are, are offended. Yes, we'll, we'll try to uh, artfully uh, avoid some <laughs> we'll, of the sting of some we'll, of. it.
1: We'll bring in some some sound effects to, uh,
0: but uh, let mask me let me read you effect. out of the and this is under the se- you know he's got his book sectioned on different uh, types of birds, and uh, this is under the section floaters, Sandbirds, and dork legs, <laughs> and this is. The goddamned Canada Goose. Common name, Canada Goose. Thanks a lot, Canada. These are often considered a pest species. Why? Because of their depredation of crops, their noise, their droppings, aggressive behavior, and habit of begging for food in urban parks. Not to mention that incessant honking and their long, stupid necks. Basically, everything about these geese just makes you want to choke them. Goose tips, feeding the geese at the park? Be aware that they can become overly aggressive in large groups. If you have to fight, don't let them surround you. Keep moving and try to take them on individually or in small groups. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just one of, of several uh, uniquely described birds in the book. But why don't we get the artist and author Absolutely. And, and have them explain about how all this came about. How did this come to be? Well, welcome, nice. welcome to Cabin Country, Matt.
2: Me. Yes. Thank yeah. you. I'm so excited to be in Cabin Country.
0: Now, as we, uh, uh, so, did I hear right that you actually have relatives in Minnesota?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, they're now, they're now in Wisconsin. They've we've gone oh, okay, all okay, the okay. way across the border by about 35 miles. Big uh, ones, yeah.
0: because you said Stillwater, right? Stillwater? There. Yeah, they,
2: yeah, Stillwater. So growing up, uh, my family, you know, who, my parents are from Iowa mm-hmm. and then they moved to, uh. Seattle area which is where I was born and raised but my dad was a a college professor and so every summer he had the summer off and we would um, we would travel back to the Midwest to visit relatives and it was usually about a a month to a six-week trip uh, that both began and ended with an incredibly long car ride because they they always wanted to drive so we would pile me and my brother and my mom into the 67 Chrysler Newport and you know no air conditioning uh just barrel across the country and he always you know we always had to leave at like 3:47 in the morning to get the <laughs> before you, and then we knew we going to stop for gas in in, in Butte and right. you know so it was kind of this rhythm that we had every year and so we would go visit and we had a lot of relatives in Iowa and some in Minnesota my um, my dad's mom and her husband and family lived in Stillwater and so we would always make a trip there and I love playing with my cousins there. And so I, I, I think it's a little bit of my, we spent so much time in the Midwest that it was kind of like my summertime backyard. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So well, I was a teenager before I knew how pleasant summer could be right. because we, <laughs> we didn't go to the Midwest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Matt, you live in the Seattle area, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. Yeah. Right. In the Puget, Puget Sound region, which is uh, the Puget Sound is a, is like this huge, crazy waterway, um there's like 1300 miles of coastline and it's all connected right. to the sea so right up along the washington coast and, and british Columbia coast there absolutely
0: let me just like uh, here's a here's a bird we have in common and i'm going to have uh, bjorn read the short description you have for this bird that um we've all we've all seen in our backyards Indeed. If what I, is that? If, if um, I,
1: if I may, hear, the the shit headed cowbird. <laughs> What's its common name? The common name is the brown headed cowbird. These shitheads heads are the worst. They lay eggs like it's going out of style. Seriously, like one every day all summer long. The female finds the nest of some other bird. She throws out one of their eggs and out of the nest. That's fucked up. Then she lays some of her own in its place and flies off laughing. The shit headed cowbird and a beautiful. Beautiful illustration there, too, Matt, of uh, the cowbird apparently laughing as it sits on a log. <laughs> and just I
0: just laid my eggs in some other poor f***er's
1: <laughs> nest. <and laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> and you get to raise them. Goodbye. Uh, Outstanding.
0: Well, tell us about your artist journey, your history, your, your beginnings as an
1: artist. Trained as an artist. How did that go?
2: I started out before I was trained as a kid you know, all I wanted. They had to make me go outside and play because what I really wanted to do was draw pictures and, and write stories. Sure. You know, I went to a fabulous Lutheran uh, liberal arts school here in Washington sure. and uh, loved creative writing and I loved art and I um, had trouble choosing between them and I was too lazy to have a double major. So um, I ended up with more credits in the visual arts. And so that that's the route that I took, but I always really... Love the written word and love wordplay. Yeah, you know. I eventually I became a professional designer because that seemed like it was kind of like art, and it is kind of like art, but but it's different. And then I left that a few years ago and have been writing the books and and making the funnies. And um, and I've realized that I've kind of come full circle in my life back to the most sort of joyous time, which as a child was drawing pictures and writing stories about them. And, and so that's what I've done in this book. So it basically allowed me to combine the th- three things that I enjoy most, which is writing, drawing, and not being serious. So <laughs> It's
1: almost like you have to come full circle and do do however many years worth of the, the quote-unquote yeah. real job our parents used to always tell us about and, and uh, make, make your mark, quote-unquote, yeah. and go back to what you love in the first place, which is, yeah. you know, it just seems like that's what we've always heard, you know, you yeah. got to do what you love and love what you do, right? So, mm-hmm. how in the world did I end up doing this? You know, I, I, not podcasting, of course. I, I love this, but <laughs> uh, still waiting for the residuals to show up. Down, you can probably get rid of that at some point. But uh,
0: well, what I love, you know, all of the birds in, in this book are illustrated by Matt. They're all. How did I describe it? To me, they look like um, they're the angry doodlings of a of a bored college uh, art student or something. And you're just in class and you're just drawing this thing. The thing of it is, what's cool is that they're all anatomically correct. You know, uh, as the bird shapes are all
2: accurate. But, that makes it sound like something that like it's not anatomically correct implies that I can't just want everybody to know that that, that they won't see that. If that's what they're looking for there's probably some weird sites on the internet for them. but it's,
1: it's a G rated uh
2: I tried to be pretty accurate. So when I did the first drawing I actually was I I it was a doodle that I did in between meetings um in that design job I had and um and I had seen a bird but I couldn't get a picture of it, which frustrated me. And I was thinking about that and I was doodling that bird. And I guess, you know, I showed this doodle to a friend after the meeting and and he said to me, looks like you were angry when you drew that. And, th- and that, <laughs> So you queued up on that. And so that became sort of the theme. And we got laughing about the idea of this guy who draws birds because he hates them. <laughs> and it was just, it was that sort of in joke and that, and, and from that, Came this this whole idea, this concept of this person who's obsessed with birds, but not in a good way. Right, yeah, right. Well,
1: and the descriptions are so wonderful too. I, I particularly am a big fan of the the goddamn Canada goose. <laughs> they're they're omnipresent, uh, you know, and and I mean, Fudd, you've spent a fair bit of time. Yeah any, in, in real time and on the show talking about ways to get these things right off it's, your property.
0: It's a, it's a current <laughs> nightmare up at our, our cabin on the Gull River. They're just in fact,
2: how are those decoys working out?: <laughs>
0: Well, they're sort of working. I have got, I've got a new report, so this is brand new for our listeners while we have Matt here, that my dad was just up at the cabin last week, and he said that he filled a five-gallon bucket half-filled with goose shit. (laughs) So they came onto the property in spite of the two swan decoys. But here's what he said. They didn't come up on the land and and poop near where the the swans were. They came up on the other side of the dock, on the other side of where my boat is, on a lift, and they came up there and and pooped all over that area. So he said he took one of my other... Last year I made these uh, fake fishing lure kind of things with big eyes and... Uh, you know this this tinselly t- kind of stuff. Mylar
1: tassels. Yeah, there you
0: go. Yeah, Mylar tassels yeah. to you know. Moving it's the be breeze, flashy and in the big eye. And candidates. it really it really didn't work. But he moved one of them just in case it might uh, over to where he saw that they were getting in. So <laughs> so they are in spite of the decoys. They're 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 still there crapping, and uh, we're going to have to take care of these goddamn geese.
1: Well, I think they're thanking we're, you for the the interactive. Yeah. You know, displays um, that you put up to attract yeah their favorite maybe they think it's a theme or it's park or something they're just like one oh, thing look I at love that. matt is is I'm just leafing through I mean, the drawings are outstanding the descriptions of course are hilarious but i <laughs> as a guy who's read all kinds of of birding guides and and I love them you know I love to know what they're all about and where do they live and what are their patterns and and you get to to various chapters in the different books and you'll see things like well here are the upland game birds all this kind of I just came across. A new chapter simply entitled (laughs) Fuckers. Here are some birds that just, at their base, are just plain assholes. (laughs) Right. Some Some of these have some real... Yeah, uh, how charming the, aspects and the, and in this chapter just the ones
2: that are the, they're just you know, plain the, the miscreants
1: of the foul world. Yeah, this is it's I, outstanding.
2: When I was putting the book together, you know, I'm you know sounds like you read plenty of bird guides. Oh, and yeah. Of course, I grew up on them too, and you know Sibley's and Audubon and all of those, and right. and they're organized different ways. Um, you know, often by you know like a bird grouping or whatever. And what I tried to do. In this book, was organized them by what kind of bird they were deep down inside. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'll just give the listeners here a quick section two the birds, typical birds, backyard assholes, <laughs> hummingbirds, weirdos, and flycatchers, egotists and show offs, of course, the aforementioned fuckers, <laughs> floaters, sandbirds, and dork legs, and of course, Murder birds. <laughs> <laughs> now, would that be birds you'd like to murder, or these are the murderers of the bird world, or possibly a combination um, of the two? Or
2: well, possibly both. Although that's yeah. it's primarily uh, birds of prey. Okay, raptors, sure, right? sure. Birds that are basically—I mean, if you look at how their nature has designed them, they're just efficient killing machines. Right. That's, that's what yeah. they're there for. Right. So. Right. It's oh, outstanding.
0: Well, yeah, so, <laughs> so I was trying to compliment you on anatomical correctness uh, with those. Uh, <laughs> but they are, at the same time, very funny, you know, <laughs> angry drawings, you know, line drawings, and it's hilarious. I also like the, you know, s- sometimes there are names that are crossed out and a new name put <laughs> over it and stuff like that. It's just... Uh,
1: but the beauty of this is you could identify these birds from Matt's drawings. I mean, it's, well, yeah, uh, this, yeah. Is, this is absolutely, you know.
0: You take one look at the uh, white-breasted butt nugget. You know exactly what it is. <laughs> Better known as the the, the white-breasted nuthatch.
1: Plenty right. of those. The bird that spends most of its time in your backyard hanging upside down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it's beautiful.
2: I'll tell you one of my one of my secrets. Uh, I mean, well, two of them actually. Really, so the the initial drawing, I wanted to that, – when that guy said, like, oh, well, it looks so angry, like, I wanted to keep that. And so um, I had to put these – first, you're right. I think you need to know how to draw something before right. you learn the right way to draw it wrong. I yeah, exactly, yeah. But, it just sounds like a jerk who's been to art school and is like, well, you can't just draw something bad. First you have to draw, know how to draw good, then you're allowed to draw bad. But but I wanted it, I wanted them to be recognizable as the actual bird, and I wanted them to be enjoyable as a drawing. But I also wanted it to have that sort of, you know, anger, like this sort of author character that I am, I and it's my name. I am the author, but it's sort of written as this sort of, angry character. I'm not actually that angry and I don't actually hate birds. that <laughs> much. My relationship with birds is complicated, but, um, <laughs> uh, but I, I wanted to sort of retain the anger. And so in order to do that, I, I really limited myself. I gave myself a time limit on each bird that I was strict about when I was doing it. Right. And I, I did it, I did it in pen. Well, I, I mean, I used pencil pen colored pencil, highlighter i basically i did it i I limited myself to office supplies oh perfect it made sense to me that in fact all of those were originally drawn on post-it notes oh really even better an enormous amount of work for me actually more work than doing the drawings was done like blowing them up to a larger size and cleaning them up and taking out the post-it note yellow and and all of that stuff because i didn't when i started i didn't know i was making a book but um So they were they were drawn with ballpoint pen and and I used pencils and I had highlighters and of course I you know I'm art director so I've got I've got tons of pens but I tried to really keep it as few things and limit it to non-art tools I guess sure oh yeah uh, and then I tried to do it really fast and I I, I did it hard because I wanted this to feel angry so uh-huh. when I would color something in I would just there are a couple of them where I actually drew through the paper (laughs) where was just a hole in the middle of a bird because I'm just (laughs) scraping it
1: Your great blue heron looks like it was done with a certain amount of, uh, dare I say, anger. Yeah, Yeah, it's like this. Yeah, the
2: great blue moron. The great blue moron, moron, yes. One of the biggest tricks of the whole book was that the more that I did this, the more birds that I drew, that I inevitably got better at it. Yeah. Which, so I had to fight getting too good at. And actually with the second book, which is coming out in October, you know, like I've drawn so many birds that it's almost, it's like you, you can sort of see it evolve. And I, I had to decide at some point, like, do I, do I go back and try to draw them less good, which is almost harder? Yeah. Or do I just say, well, this guy has just drawn another 60 birds. And so, so there's a little bit of an evolution, and and you know it's it's a lot the same style, but it's um, you know you can see the the artwork you know evolve a little bit. Where else can
0: we find you online if you want to find your drawings and stuff?
2: The dumb Birds stuff. I have an Instagram account um, that's at dumb birds field guide, I think. Okay. And uh, but if you just search for field guide to dumb birds on there, or search for easy to find. Name, there's my there's my own personal account, which is kind of like me as an author. Um, and I've posted some, I've posted some other weird drawings and stuff, and it's like, whatever, you can follow me there. And I do have a, I have a Matt Crock art Instagram account, which is, um, I haven't posted anything to for a while, but you know, I studied fine art and so I'm actually really interested in, in contemporary painting, contemporary abstract figurative, Mm -hmm. things like that. So that's something that I'm, I'm playing with, but it's sort of behind, I haven't posted a lot recently because it's kind of happening behind the scenes. I'm trying, I'm learning how to juggle being a, a best-selling author and, a and a non-selling artist. uh, So, but I've got now that I'm sort of fully invested in, in, in this life, I'm, I'm sort of figuring that out. Plus I bought a fixer, um, right before the lockdown. So I've got a lot of, I have an awful lot of projects around the house. Oh, I
1: hope, I hope you don't end up where I'm at, Matt, where I've, I've been painting, uh, for years now. And, and the collection just continues growing in the basement. There's just these stacks of canvases sitting there. And I, I got word from my beloved the other day that maybe you could just start giving these away or maybe whitewashing <laughs> them and, and doing over, you know, reuse the canvases. I'm like, oh God. So supportive really okay. <laughs> I guess it would be kind of freeing to some extent. Uh I, I gotta go back to this. Drawing here, the great blue moron. It's it's beautiful. I mean, I, it's definitely a great blue heron, and I love the fact. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm sensing there's there's some real rage here in in the in the lining of it. But I love the fact that he's got a fish that's almost too big for his mouth that he's attempting to swallow. <laughs> And that bulging eyeball is almost like... (laughs) I'm looking at it going, well, this great blue moron has bitten off much more than it can chew. (laughs) It's standing in its its watery home, choking on this giant fish. Uh, It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. I mean, I see here in your drawings a lot of, like... They're very well done and, and like, uh, almost like drawings from the field. You know, like, I'm doing this fast because it's in front of me, and you get the idea, I don't have a ton of time here. And at the same time, this thing really pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's 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 basically the idea. Yeah. You nailed it. I feel like I guess I did my job because that's exactly what I wanted. Right, to come
1: Right. Right. No, it's beautiful. You can appreciate
2: Thank you for, for validating. Absolutely
1: appreciate the bird for what it is and what it looks like, and you're not going to miss it. And at the same time, you can sense like, and here's a trait about this thing that I really dislike. Look at that idiot. You know, standing there. And you get to the back, and some of these maps you've put in are just outstanding. And and as a guy in public education, I'm like, man, I've 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 been handed in a few things that look very similar, <laughs> but but the, the 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 listing is just wonderful. Like, well, here's where you're going to find all the boring birds, and these dummies move this way for no particular reason. Ah, it's well, it's outstanding.
0: See, it's more than I mean, it's a true field guide or and bird book because it's not just a you know, a few familiar birds and hilarious oh, descriptions. It's, it's
1: very inclusive.
0: I mean, you're very yeah. thorough about like, uh, well, if you have an interest, you know, how to keep a notebook or a field journal, uh, bird feeders and how to make your own bird feeder. I mean, it's, it's very thorough. And of, and of course, the, that sort of angry sense of humor. Yeah. Like, well, if you must, you know, if you're obsessed with these goddamn things,
2: <laughs> uh, you know. So
0: that's what's, what's very cool.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Well, we have a lot more to talk with Matt Crockett about, so don't go too far. We'll be right back after these important messages.
1: Celebrating the 4th of July, our nation's birthday. What a better place to do it than the Great North Woods? Fun, fireworks and fanfare. And who better to celebrate it with than good old Lloyd? Well, it's great to be with you here in the Gull River for the
0: annual 4th of July pontoon boat parade. Everybody's got their pontoons decorated to celebrate our country's freedom. Oh, it just makes me proud. And thanks again for letting me be here to start you all rolling. And I think it'd be fitting if I started with the Star Spangled Banner.
3: Oh
0: say can you see why? Oh they're taking off. But be careful out there, folks.
1: And why not stick around and join good old Lloyd as he thinks back to some of his fondest memories from fourths of July past.
0: Standing up here this evening, I I'm filled, I'm filled with, with so, so much, much
1: pride. pride.
0: Proud to be an American and looking out amongst all you and getting ready to see. Are we going to start those already? Hey, we're not supposed to start yet. I'm supposed to talk about my
1: memories. Jeez, that was coming right at me. Sit down, Lloyd. Even on the 4th of July, that's Lloyd. Good old Lloyd.
0: Previously on the Cabin Country Outdoors Agents, Officer Torgerson, Red, Big Bear, Trash, And all over the driveway, Bag. No, that can't be good, Betty. Double back. Stayed late on Monday. You had your coffee? Forgot about it. uh Trash came in. Big Bear. Uh, golf clubs loped off. sign right in. Big. Too close for comfort. It was Big Bear. Big. We want him gone, Torgerson. Red.
1: Tonight, episode two. No honor among thieves. Upon returning to the office, I was struck with an idea. I called Red Benson and told him that two runs at his garbage cans would probably mean a third wasn't far off. He should put the cans in his garage overnight, every night. Unless he was willing to be part of an agency sting operation. Red was interested in being part of the solution here, and he added that he'd report in for his neighbor Jim Galligan. I asked for clarification, and Red told me that Galligan had also had his can torn apart over the weekend. They just talked about it now and Galligan confirmed that his cans too had been hit. Jim Galligan's lake place was three lots down from the Benson's. Now there was a pattern. This was a newcomer. A newcomer with a taste for high-end trash. We at the agency realize that cabin owners and cabin builders are moving into a new neighborhood when they break ground. A neighborhood originally owned by wild animals. Ideally, lake homeowners will learn how to live alongside their wild neighbors. This is not usually the case, however. In this case, the new bad actor neighbor appeared to be a black bear. Now we had multiple complaints about the animal. It was time to make a decision on how to proceed. I knocked on Captain Ike Martinez's office door. Skipper, can I have a word with you? Go ahead, Torgy. I'm going to guess you have a question about the bear out of Clamshell Lake. You're a mind reader, Captain. These people want that bear gone, but I've gotten a read off them that they'd like the bear relocated. Nothing more. I'm not going to be real popular out in Clamshell if I roll out the 357, and they probably won't be okay with a rifle and a tranquilizer dart. You sit at the helm, Skip. What do you suggest in this case?
0: This situation calls for our new bear barrel, Torgy. This will be its first use. If the Bensons are okay with the idea, we'll bring the baited barrel out to their lot around early evening and get it locked down and ready to go. Then we'll clear out. By morning, we should have the bear ready for relocation. If we take it far enough north and onto a plot of state-owned land... Clamshell Group should
1: be free of their new neighbor with no one getting hurt. I'm guessing that as the agent that took the original call, Skip, I'm in on helping run this plan past the neighborhood. If they agree, do we have anyone who's trained to keep watch on that new trap after it's set? Not yet, Torgy. It's not real tough
0: to figure out. We bait the trap and day-old donuts and then set a man at a distance to keep watch. It springs with plenty of power, Torgi. The bear can't get out of that trap once it's sprung.
1: No one has trained on it yet, but it's an easy job. It's all right with you, Skip. I'll sit watch on that trap. That's funny, Torgy. Skip, you're just the man I was going to suggest. After talking with the Bensons and Jim Galligan, we had the okay to place the barrel trap. It was a large culvert-style affair that had steel bars on one end and a powerful steel trap door on the front. There was plenty of room for an adult bear in that trap. I picked up two dozen day-old donuts from Reed's Bakery, and I stopped by the Sportsman's Cafe for some solidified bacon fat. That ought to do the trick with this hungry bear. Bacon grease and day-old blueberry crullers. Show me a bear that could resist that. As I drove the truck towards Clamshell, Show, I had visions of placing the donuts in the trap to the sounds of the Gentle Ben theme song. I'd better be less cavalier. This was an adult bear, after all. Generally speaking, most cabin-goers don't have much to fear from the black bears the creature is still capable of creating some serious damage to just about anything get big and they'll run i revisited my outdoors agent training concerning black bears bang pots and yell stand up as tall as you can get and show no fear fair enough i was going to try to stay out of sight and let the grease and donuts do the work once this bear was trapped we'd move on to the relocation process Be sure to join Officer Torgi
0: Torgeson in the next exciting episode of Real Adventures of the CCOA, right here on Cabin Country. And now back to Bjorn Fudd and tonight's special guest, Matt Crockett wanted to hear, Matt, it, and this is in the introduction to the book, but tell us that that story when you were in fourth grade and you had a particular assignment that you had to yeah,
2: fulfill. So, Formative you yeah, like, <laughs> like all great villains, there's an origin story. Yes. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I was I actually look back on this super fondly, but I mean, at the time it seemed awful. But I, I had this wonderful, amazing fourth grade teacher Um and in uh, my school, was just big enough that there were two fourth grade classes. Actually, in most schools, it would have been one big fourth grade class, sure. but for some reason, they split it into two smaller classes, which was great. Smaller class size, whatever. Right. So, uh, you know, I knew everybody in fourth grade, but we had two different teachers. And, and they were both really into birding, bird watching, whatever they called it back then. I don't think they called it birding yet. They just called it bird watching. Sure. You might have called it ornithology. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They both were super into it and they both were super competitive. So there was this good natured competition between the two classes. Right. And we went on these joint field trips, but it was like, whose students can count the most bald eagles on the Skagit river, you know? <laughs> and they got, they got really, you know, like wound up about it. And the kids didn't care. We were just like, we're cold and it's wet. And tired of looking at eagles. But uh, so we went, but so I got introduced. It was really, I mean, you know, I was a kid. As I mentioned before, I grew up going to the Midwest, spending my summers, and I ran around barefoot with the cousins. And so I think every kid is kind of a naturalist. They just don't know the correct names of things yet. You know, they're drawing a picture of a bug because it's cool. Um, But it was sort of my first introduction to, like, real naturalism and and ornithology and the actual academic study of nature. And I kind of loved it. I mean, it was I was a nerdy little precocious kid, and I – I was like, this is great. This is, this is amazing. And so it was also like, uh, she assigned, um, for the end of the year, uh, we were assigned to do a report and it was a homework report. And this is like in fourth grade at that time. Anyway, it's like, you don't, I don't have kids now. I think they just give them homework like right out of the gate. But yeah. this was sort of the first thing where it's like, you have to go do this on your own. We're not going to sit in class. You can't ask questions or whatever. So we were going to, you had to, pick a bird and then write a report on it. And I, for starters, I really, really wanted to do the black capped chickadee
3: because
2: mm-hmm. I love that bird. And also uh, you know, they're everywhere, right? They're just everywhere and they're easy to hear because they have the really distinctive call and they're easy to spot. And, and I just thought they were the coolest thing and I was like, I am so doing that. And so she went around the room and asked each kid what they wanted to do. And this girl who sat to the left of me and got called on first was like black cap chickadee. Oh no. She said, okay. And I was like, Oh, well I want to do that too. And she's like, no, you, you can't do that too. You have to, you have to do a different bird. And this, which didn't make sense to me as a kid. It's like, who cares if we both write a report on the black. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Maybe mine will be better than hers. Right. Probably. Right. Um, but so I couldn't pick that, and and I then I, of course I you know I didn't think I needed an alternate, so I had nothing in mind. So she said, "Well, why don't you do the golden crown kinglet?" And I'm like, "Fine, whatever." <laughs> um, and I don't know why she assigned that to me. Maybe she was irritated with me yeah. because that bird. I mean, they're tiny. They're like the size of your thumb, and they're <laughs> they're colored like. I mean, they have a little crown on them, but I mean, the males do anyway. Sure. The golden crown kinglet, uh, it's gold. Um, and sometimes there's a little red there too. This is a really pretty little bird, but they're like, they're, they flit around super fast. They like to stay up high normally in, you know, coniferous forests, like nowhere a fourth grader is ever going to be. And, you know, and, and I thought like this, my whole, I thought for sure like this is how you do it, right? I was like the Indiana Jones of birds, <laughs> right? Like the way that you would study a bird is you take your, you know, I probably three ring binder and your pencil and your binoculars and you go out in the woods and you watch this bird and then you note its behavior and you, I mean, you're studying it. Right? right. 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 Field notes. And you, uh, good luck. Good luck with a, with a golden cup. <laughs> you cannot, you cannot find them. And, and I, it's like the kind of thing where you're looking through your binoculars. you Oh, that's one. No, I think that's a pine cone. And <laughs> You know, meanwhile, you're, you know, you're, you're a fourth grader, you're getting your shoes are wet, you're getting bit by bugs, it's cold out because the report was over, we're supposed to write it over Christmas vacation. So as all great, you know, early, you know, kids tend to do is you don't do the report until the last minute. So now it's like November, and I'm like, Oh, I got to get out in the woods. Now I got to get out in some fields and some woods and and find this bird. Also, I had no knowledge of like where to look. To me, it's (laughs) like birds are outside in trees. So you just start looking there. And so i tramped around all the local fields and and woods and went on special trips with bird watching groups and did all this stuff and i never saw one and it drove me nuts and all i did was get wet and cold and then then came the end of christmas vacation and i was you know admitted to my mom i'm like i have this bird report due in like two days and she's like well i guess you better write it and i was like well i can't because i didn't see the bird and she just went over to the family set of encyclopedia britannica pulled out you know, the volume and handed it to me and said, you can go to the library and get a book on birds too. And so it was crushing to me because I had this big idea in my head that I'm going to go out, you know, within like my pith helmet and like discover (laughs) something new about this bird that nobody's ever heard of before. And it all revolved around seeing it. Like it didn't occur. It's like, why would you write about something that's already been written about? I need to go look at something and and do it. So I, I begrudgingly wrote this report and put it in this, you know, one of those, T- uh, you know, Brad binders. Oh yes. Where you do the three-ring punch, and then the you Brads close, yeah. and then there's a the little area on the front that you can write on. And I think mine was titled "Bird Report," and <laughs> I turned it in, and I got I don't know what it was satisfactory or whatever. They didn't yeah. really. I don't think they did ABC at that age, but you know, it was C minus work. <laughs> yeah. And 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 I had, I knew, I knew I could have done better. And it was, it was like, it, it, it shook me to the core. It was my first brush with real report writing and, and academia and which I assumed I would be great at. And I just, I just, stunk <laughs> it. it was, it was bad. And so, well, so to, to sort of bring the story full circle, this is back in, I think 2017. Now I'm, uh, I'm in Seattle and I'm at this local park that's right on the water. It's beautiful. This trail walks along the, you know, the, the, the Puget Sound there. And it's, 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 I think it was actually, it might've been, it was either New Year's day or the day after. And my wife and I are taking a walk. It's crisp golden day. You know, it's cold and you can see your breath and the sun is shining and all the, you know, grass is golden and, and, and I look over to my left on the non-water sign and I see something flitting around and sure enough, it's a golden crown kinglet. Like the first (laughs) one I've found, you know, 47 years old, I've never seen one in my life in the wild and there it is. And I like, just had this immediate like burst of like, this is my chance for redemption. (laughs) I got it. I got to prove that I've seen this bird and I'm like fumbling to get my phone out of my pocket and, and I get it out and I get my gloves off. So, cause it's an iPhone and I'm trying to do the thing. And you know, my wife's like, what, what? And I'm like, shh, shh, quiet. Oh, oh, you know, she doesn't know the story. So she has no idea. Right. Like I'm just freaking out because there's a bird next to me. And so she's quiet. And I'm trying to snap a picture of it. And this thing, this little son of a bitch would not <laughs> stop flitting around. It, like it, every time my phone, just before it could focus, it would move. And so I spent like five minutes and I got some blurry pictures. The, the, the best one is in, is in the introduction of the book. And, you, you know, if you look, you can barely make it. If I hadn't circled it and read right. the name next, yeah. you would just assume it was a blurry leaf.
0: Yeah, you and, can't really um, see it.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly my point, right? So then, so the, the the damn thing, you know, it it foiled me again. You know, <laughs> so I still, and so then it was a few days later that I that I was doodling and I came up with this angry doodle. And my friends, it looks like you're mad when you do that. And so, um, yeah, that's basically it. All started because I had a great fourth grade teacher who pushed me to do something new, and 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 I failed academically at it and and basically got pissed off about it and and apparently hung on to that anger all these years and didn't realize it until I had to write a book about it.
0: We have to read then the Golden Crown dumb shit as it appears in your book, common name, Golden Crown Kinglet. This dumb little shit just hops all over the place in the trees, in the grass, in the bushes, everywhere nonstop. It can't sit still for even one goddamn second. So you could maybe take a picture of it that's not blurry or obscured by twigs. That's why I had to draw this little fuck instead. <laughs> he has a stupid yellow stripe on his head, and that's it. So there, there you go. It's the angry author of the book is not really who you are. It's uh, almost like a character wrote the book. So you really don't have that much anger. But was there some catharsis in in drawing these? Oh and-
2: uh, yeah, I mean it's fun, and I mean like let's just be honest, swearing is. Um, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which is why so many teens and preteens love this book and their parents hate me for it. Uh, My (laughs) my nephews loved it. And my sister-in-law is still mad, but, um, because yeah, but I feel like this, like as an uncle, that's 100% my job, right? Like yes. I need to, kids need to learn it somewhere. Right. So it's a ton of fun to write. Yeah, there's maybe some catharsis, but not so much against birds Is it just gives me an opportunity to be snarky. And like, that's an element of me. Like, I think my sense of humor, I, I tend to be, I can be a little sarcastic, I can be a little snarky. And you know, I don't, this was, this felt great because I wouldn't write a book like this about people. Because it right. just feels mean, yeah. right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. I
1: yeah. mean, spirited, sure.
2: I told somebody I was talking to somebody about writing, and we were talking about if you're doing humor, you always want to punch up. And they're like, Well, perfect, because birds are up there. And so <laughs> I, um, I, I feel too guilty, you know, if, I, if I, I don't want to hurt people's feelings. And the great thing is that birds cannot read, so <laughs> that, um, we <laughs> that we know, um, yeah, we know, although. If you take a look at my back deck right now, it's quite possible that some of the local birds have learned <laughs> to read because they're really bombing it. You know? <laughs> I, just, I just stained it, and immediately they're like, oh, cool, new color. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here you go. Here's oh, what I man. thought of the book. Yeah,
0: I was going to ask if uh, any serious ornithologists are you've heard from anybody who were took any offense taking umbrage uh uh, with with the book
2: that was a concern of mine when i when i first you know um my publisher was like you know let's do this and i'm like i don't know though i'm gonna like piss off all the (laughs) all the serious birders and uh but i already had some it was interesting when i when i started the blog and i got a bunch of followers and people started coming out of the woodwork and they're like i'm working in the field i'm i'm like I care for injured raptors, and this is the sure. funniest thing that I've ever read. So, I think most serious birders, at least who have reached out to me, they don't have a problem with the humor at all. They actually think it's funny because I think there is this tension. I think everybody, like if you're into birding and there are probably some other things, and who knows, maybe I'll write books about those things. But if you're part of a community where there's like some real passion around something, but you know, you know, deep down inside, like, a lot of people take this way more seriously than they probably should or right. just too like wrapped up in like, mm, yeah. you know, all high and mighty about it. That like somebody needs to take the piss out of that. And, yeah. and that's like, that's my job. Basically. I think that's what I've decided, you know, now that I'm, I'm not going to be in the corporate world anymore. I am, I'm going to take the wind out of, you know, puffed up people's sails. So I think that there's this thing where they, they, it's almost cathartic for them to be able to laugh at themselves or, probably in many cases at their colleagues, I'm guessing. But yes, students love it. I have had some bad feedback. Uh, there are a the few people have, and it's not very much, but um, it always comes with uh, a one-star Amazon review. <laughs> yeah. And it always, it's always a variation on this story. I bought your book thinking it was going to be some good, clean humor about birds. And let me interject here, I don't know why they would think that. Um, <laughs> yeah. but but apparently they, they bought it just based on the title and didn't look at any of the content. Right. Okay. And then and then it goes on to say something like, and I gave it as a gift to my husband slash father in law slash somebody. And their birthday was ruined. And now and I had to apologize. This is the F word is not funny swearing is not funny and your book is not funny. one stuff, and it is funny because it's like i mean if you look at the ratings and i'm not hung up on i just want people to enjoy it i don't really care what the ratings are but like it's it's a it's you know two thousand five star ratings and then like one lady <laughs> right. who had to apologize to her husband who apparently can't handle the f word <laughs> and his whole birthday and i'm just like wow my my little book ruined your whole entire year that's cool <laughs> But those are actually my favorite reviews. I get a big, I get a kick out of them. And I think they've actually helped my sales because I think (laughs) anybody with an actual sense of humor reads something like that and they go, oh, I have to read this book. Right, yeah. I really, I think it's helped me more. I know they're just like, I'm mad and I'm going to, you take your one star and that'll show you. And it's like, thanks. You probably just got me a (laughs) hundred more sales.
0: That is hilarious. But I don't,
2: you know, I try not to take it seriously. It's not for everybody. I don't, you know. Recommend it to elderly nuns. Got to. <laughs> Actually, just anybody with a sense of humor. And you know, I just—I I don't know. I grew up reading a lot, and I always felt that like you shouldn't be afraid of words. And and I don't talk that way a lot normally in in nor, normal day to day conversation. Sure. I might, but I like to I like to slip an f bomb in for effect. I mean, I think if you use it all, it's like a highlighter. Yeah. If you highlight every word on the page, it's pointless. But right. you know, if you use it effect i mean it's just part of it's part of writing you know and, and the next book I write might not have any swearing in it right. it's unlikely <laughs> but
0: <laughs> I did uh, email our uh, our our local naturalist Stan tequila here he's kind of a he's got hundreds hundreds of books on on birds on trees, edible plants trees i mean he's kind of it, the, he's, the big man here
1: yeah.
0: and all over you know he's got animals and birds of all all kinds of states so i I just wanted to to email him and say, "Have you have you heard of this book by Matt Crockett You know, the Field Guide to Dumb Birds of North America." And He just emailed back that I haven't heard of it. it sounds funny though, because I, I was wondering if uh, I thought maybe maybe a friend of his would say, "Like, have you seen this book?" You know, he's making fun of what you know hardworking oh, yeah. naturalists do, but I think yeah. obviously he gets it. I, I, I think most a good people sense do. Of
1: humor, yeah, he'd appreciate it.
0: In fact, as I did order one of these books for my stepdad. Stan Tequila's book on Minnesota birds came up on the same page, right? Customers who bought this, well, so, you know, it's only helping your book, Matt is only helping other field guides that are already out there. So you're doing everybody a great service.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That's, um, that's music to my ears. That's really, I can, I can sleep well tonight. (laughs) Right. Uh, yeah. Our, our
0: Stan said, sounds funny.
2: Yeah, that's
1: what oh, I, I think he. I think he'd get a charge out of it without a doubt.
2: I, I really hope Stan enjoys it. Yeah, we'll have to just
0: we'll have to just send him a book, you know. Yeah, yeah. And we did interview him last summer, and he explained all kinds of things about birds that we didn't know. Like, uh, for instance, going back to the uh, shitheaded cowbird, <laughs> and that they lay their eggs in other other nests, you know. And I think in another descriptions, you talk about how the dumb western bluebird. I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but. Uh, you know, the poor things just can't get a break. Western bluebirds appear to form monogamous pairs each year, but in genetic studies, 45% of nests had young that were not fathered by the male partner. Son of a bitch can't catch a break. (laughs) That's hilarious. Well, what Stan explained to us is that, you know, there's something called extra pair copulation. Have you heard of that? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just part of the whole
1: survival of the species yeah
0: survival yeah. of the species so yeah. it's common with many birds right that the female will copulate with uh, more than one male bird so chances are that there are multiple families in one nest so there you go that's right
2: not just birds but um <laughs> yeah, you know, I, that was a big part of the fun of writing the book and i decided early on that i want I, you know i want it to be funny and not too serious but i i there's no like wrong information in there. Right. Like it's really clear. It's like fact bluebirds are assholes, right? Like it's clearly it's like that's an opinion. So a lot of times I'll label and what is obviously an opinion right. as a fact. But when I get into the actual facts, it's like, I want to include something about the birds and it's not because I felt like it needed to be educational. I mean, if you want to read all sorts of science and stuff about birds and plenty of like real ornithologists and real naturalists who can, you can instruct you better than I can. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, talented amateur i guess Mm -hmm. um and if you want to see great great bird art james audubon already painted all those birds like 150 years ago Mm -hmm. and they're they're gorgeous right so i didn't want to try to do that but i wanted to include real stuff but i used that as the basis for the humor because i looked at each bird and basically said what's interesting about this bird and then if you anthropomorphize it you know if i if you if this bird were a person what kind of person would that be like what kind of person would just like basically like like the cowbird right it's like it'd be like the equivalent of taking some dumb person's baby and just throwing it in the yard <laughs> right. and then dropping your baby off to be raised and it's like it's a legit evolutionary strategy but we as people would be like you're a jerk yeah, yeah. for doing that you know yeah. so that's what this guy just takes birds personally this guy i say me i guess takes birds personally <laughs> right. as though like they're they would make the same decisions that humans would and that often does make them jerks like if a human pooped on your car hood right. you'd
1: hate that <laughs> i think i lived next to that person at one point uh, <laughs> not not for long after that but uh, yeah
0: yeah that I, kind of I personification
1: jerk might have been a little soft for some of the comments but uh, yeah no without a doubt <laughs> there was one piece i was just going to say you 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 were kind of inspired into into this greatness by a fourth grade teacher you know there's mm-hmm. a there's a english naturalist i love to read uh guy's name is Roger Deacon and he wrote some really cool books. Um, but that, that was his whole basis was like, well, I had this wonderful teacher at one point who, you know, taught us about the outdoors world by we went out in the outdoors world and did field studies and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, I was like probably the same wet shoes and, oh, you know, <laughs> God, I'm getting tired of this. But, you know, I mean, they did all this great work and then that became his passion, you know, and that's exactly what, what, what worked for him is the same that worked for you. So that's, that's pretty cool. I was going to ask, too, Matt, uh, you know, a denizen of, of the Puget Sound area. Is there a particular bird you see an awful lot of that is just sort of like the almost spokesbird for the, the Puget Sound <laughs> area, the Seattle area? Is there something? I mean, I've spent some time in Seattle and, and uh, saw some eagles and thought that was pretty cool, you know, and, and the various yeah. seabirds and things. But is there something that, you know, it's it's... Yeah. What's pooping on your deck? Yeah, what's right pooping
2: now, on, right? on your deck? I don't know. <laughs> uh, everything's yeah. pooping on my deck. So let me tell you. So uh, there's a few things. I mean, I, it's hard to pick one. Um, I mean, to me, growing up, the uh, it was the black-capped chickadee. That's the bird I wanted to do, and part of right. that was because they're just all they're ever present, mm-hmm. right? And they're non-migratory, so they're yeah. around all year long. Right. Yeah. And and so, like to me, that has always been sort of the quintessential. Like my youth growing up in the Northwest, bird, and they're and they're they're everywhere in the Northwest. I mean, from Canada to they're everywhere. Right. Uh, it's like everybody's backyard bird. It seemed really personal to me. It's like yeah, we have these amazing birds called chickadees, and other people are like yeah, we have those in you know Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota. <laughs> um, oh really? So, but I think you know the ones. So, what I've been seeing a lot of lately here, which is and this is a new occurrence, is the um, the California scrub jay. Oh wow! Uh, oh, okay. And its range it used to range up to middle of Oregon, and yeah. but with global warming, they're now coming further north. And now, so now there's another bird yelling at me in my yeah. yard. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, they're, they're they're like every they look different, but they're like every other Jay in the world. Street they're basically just yeah. You're, you're just yeah, they're just like just mad at you all the time. It's right? like you're in the wrong place. What are you doing over there? Stay away from my nuts. That sort of thing. And so. <laughs> Um, So there's that. But I do see, um, you know, I'm close to the water and I see a lot of, I do see a lot of eagles. I've been seeing some osprey uh, lately. Um, I had a really cool experience. I was um, out having some lunch with my mom. We were at a waterfront restaurant and they had these, you know, big floor to ceiling windows right on, you know, facing the water there. And this osprey, well, we were watching some ducks, which was super boring. But then suddenly this osprey decided that maybe there were some fish there. Sure. You know, and usually when you see them, they're perched way the hell up on top of something. Or they're swooping by at about hundred and twenty miles an hour. <laughs> you Never get a good look at them. But this one, there was, a, there was some kind of wind coming off the land toward the water. Because it just, it, it came down and it basically just soared about 10 feet in front of the window for about a minute. Oh, wow. Just... And it was just – it's looking down in the water, and it's just there, and it's like – this is like when you see that photograph, that perfect photograph from below of the osprey that somebody took a telephoto lens, and you can see everything perfectly, and it's got its wings out and its talons down. But it was in real life, and it was just – and I've never seen that before close up. Not for – I mean, I've seen They go over me all the time, and sometimes you pick them out, and you're like, is that that an eagle or an osprey, or it could be a seagull? I don't – we see a lot of seagulls too, so – but yeah, that's been exciting. That's been exciting. But I, it's spring. Well, I guess summer now, actually, here. And this is a good time for, there's just tons of birds everywhere. So if you're, if you're near any sort of woodsy, foresty area, and I, and I am, it's a fun time if you're into it, I guess. If you're irritated by birds, it's a terrible time. Here, so. <laughs>
0: well, tell us, too, about, uh, you know, here in the Midwest and Minnesota, we've got all these lakes and uh our podcast the cabin country podcast we there are a lot of us that like to spend time going to cabins or camping what what's kind of the outdoor scene like in in the seattle area i mean do people have a lot of cabins or cottages or
2: uh yeah i mean you have you have those who can afford it do it here too and that in the seattle tacoma metropolitan area where i am at most you're like a 45 minute drive from some serious woods and um Actually, with traffic now, it's more like an hour <laughs> yeah, and a half. I, say, I, I, remember, I remember Seattle's <laughs> it's, traffic. It's pretty close. But, uh, you know, a lot of people have got little places on. There There are a ton of tiny little islands uh, throughout the Puget Sound. So you have these sort of, if you kind of think of like Washington State, you know, the, the side that's connected to the continent is there. That's like eastern Washington. And then you get down, you get across the mountains uh, into western Washington. It's sort of split down the middle. Western Washington split down the middle by this. Craggy inlet that that goes for miles and miles and miles, and you know, and it's it's connected to the open sea. It's it's uh, I think it averages like 450 feet deep, but it's 900 feet deep in places, right? So like this serious water, water, right? Yeah, it's not it's not technically open ocean, but you know, there's some pretty big stretches, and there are all these islands. You know, the San Juan Islands are up here, and they're just they're beautiful, and there's tiny little islands. Some of them are bigger. And there's easy access to them by ferry or whatever. And some of them are smaller. You can only get to them by boat. And if you're like super cool, you've got a boat and you can get to one of those little islands and you have got, um, you've got a little place there. Um, people do, there's tons of woods with the Olympic Peninsula. Sure. So if you go further west past, you know, the other side of the Puget Sound, you've got the Olympic Peninsula
3: yeah.
2: uh, and the, there's a huge, huge rainforest out there. Right. Um, which is fantastic for birding, but just amazing to be out in. It's like old-growth rainforest, and it, it's um, it's marine temperate zone. So, you know, I say rainforest, and some people think of, like, South America. It's not like that, but, like, these huge trees that, you know, are impossibly large and moss hanging down hundreds of feet, and yeah. it's got its own ecosystem, and um, and it's, it's really cool. So some people have got cabins out in that area, but a lot of people just camp, like tent camping, you mm-hmm. know. There are a lot of – state parks and things that people like to go out to. And we're for the 30 odd days a year here that it is not raining. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a great time to camp, but you know that one of the huge benefits is our mosquitoes are much smaller than yours. So, oh. I watched your creepy crawly episode, <laughs> it, and it reminded me of summers in my childhood. Like yeah. being, being, you know, having my parent every time I came in the house. Hold on, you got to do a tick check. Yeah, yeah. You don't worry about that so much out here. Certain areas, you know, weather and times of year, you might a little bit, but it's there's not very much that's going to bite you out here. I mean, unless a cougar gets up behind you, I guess, and right. you're small. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cougars, well.
1: Well, I just remember driving up out of Seattle and and it really felt like we were driving up out of Seattle and headed toward you were, headed man. headed towards those big old growth forests and and uh, Snoqualmie Falls, you know. Yeah. This is about the time Twin Peaks was a big deal and I was I was oh, a, yeah. I was hooked in and I was like I got to go see Snoqualmie Falls. Oh my gosh. There it was. Did you get pie at the place? You know, I didn't get any pie, but I had the world's biggest coffee that was, you know, starless okay. and Bible black and, and and hot. Yeah, it was wonderful. And, and, uh, you mean at
0: the Double R Diner or the? oh
1: uh, you know, whatever. I mean, it was, everything was riffing off Twin Peaks at that oh, okay. point, and it was like
0: our good friend Buck Fielding was maybe it was last year he was sending me shots of the inside of that diner oh my god i can't believe i'm here (laughs) we're we're kind of big twin peaks fans over here so um.
1: no it's just amazing the size of those trees is incredible and and, uh it's just crazy how you get away from but but then trying to get back into seattle at like two o'clock in the afternoon on a tuesday and just sitting in traffic for like an hour and a half going where are all these people coming from and you kind of forget that, you know, road building is sort of limited by the sound and, you know, yeah. you know, and it's a big city and uh, and a beautiful one. I love Seattle. I've, I've been there probably three or four times on various trips for various lengths of time. And every time I'm there, Matt, it's sunny <laughs> and beautiful and you can see, you know, Rainier off in That's- the distance. And I'm like, I think it's all a big pitch. All this rain they keep talking about, just to keep people out of oh, here. Quite frankly, you just,
2: you've been lucky. It's just, it was raining all the other days that you weren't. Here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, it, do, it rains a lot here. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know when you've come, but I got to tell you, everything between about. Well, so we used to like that if this has changed a little bit, I think, yeah. in the last few years with the, with weather trends, sure. but we used to like to say that, that summer starts it stops raining on the fifth of July, basically. Because <laughs> it always rains through your fourth of July yeah. celebration. Right? <laughs> right. And then it gets nice. <laughs> and then that lasts until basically mid-October. And then then the rest of the time it's just dreary and rainy and cold. And I and I grew up here, it's this is hard on my wife. She gets so you know, just like, she just gets tired of it. Yeah. And to me, it's like, Oh, I love it. Yeah. I can't, yeah. Like I love summertime. Summer is great. But those first when fall creeps in and we start getting those, those overcast days. And it's like a great big cloud blanket that I'm pulling over me. And yeah. like, it's like, God, oh, I can get my flannel shirt out again. I can get my sweaters out again. Awesome. Uh, I can put put my barn jacket on when I go outside right. and, and it just feels, it, it feels, it like feels weird to me if it doesn't rain for long enough right. here. But, but, but it's, it's, it's unbearably hot right now. It's like 78
1: degrees outside. Oh my so. goodness. Whoa. <laughs> Holy smoke. I just got back from North Carolina. I'm like,
2: man, I, the,
1: the North Carolinians would be looking for their down jackets. If they give you 78 yeah. degrees, my goodness. But <laughs> I, I, on that, on that wavelength, I had a good friend who grew up in, uh, I want to say the town was called seaside Oregon. And he talked about, yeah. uh, reaching into his sweater drawer for that same time of year. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, finding small mushrooms growing on some of his sweaters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was, it was so, so humid all the time. It was just so damp, you know. And he said, yeah, we had, mm-hmm. you know, mosses growing inside one of the corners of one of the rooms. We had to keep cleaning that off. And I was like, "I, I you know, Midwest, we're thinking black mold. I'm like, oh, good Lord. Said, no, 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 it was just, it was just you know, just a little, little bit of moss. moss. It's okay, no big <laughs> deal, just scrape it off. And he, he too, had a father that was uh, a professor, studied shellfish and, you know, Sea, sea coast kind of kind of shellfish environment so it's was, it was like yeah, you just got used to it you know knock the knock the little tiny mushrooms off your sweater and make sure it doesn't smell too bad and put it on you're,
2: you're good yeah it's a it's a gorgeous environment and you know one of the things that I love about Washington in general not just the not just the puget Sound region is that the you know we've got everything we've got super high mountains so you have alpine you've got huge deep, Dark forest, you've got rolling hills. You get over into Eastern Washington, we have straight up desert. Yeah, in a five-hour period, I could, I could be in a desert that looks like a Sergio Leone movie. Wow. <laughs> um, and, and then you drive, then you drive west across the Cascades, and you dip down into a rainstorm. You know, and it's Twin Peaks. It's Twin Peaks, yeah. There, yeah. right? And then you go, you go another, you know, couple of hours and you're on the ocean. You're on the Pacific Ocean, right. you know, or on an Island or whatever. So you've got the little like seaside ocean cottage getaways. Right. Those are amazing. You've got all the islands. Um, uh, I I had the good fortune to stay in a, this gorgeous little cabin on a local Island here. Um, it, it was amazing. It was like on, it, it's like a connected to land. Like the first 10 feet is on land and then the rest is on stilts and, um, we have these crazy double tides on the Puget Sound. You have a high high tide, a low high tide, a high low tide, and a low low tide. Wow! And because you've got enormous amount of water rushing out of the mountains, and then you've got the coastal tides, and then you have all these inlets that sort of like sure. forces water around and stuff. So it's it's nuts if you're trying to boat. You really have to plan your right. You know, it's like take it us six hours to go that direction and two hours to get back, unless we do it a half an hour later, in which case. It's totally different, right? But um, but it was great because you could hear the tides rushing in underneath the bedroom there and stuff. And there you're over rocks. In the night you wake up the next day and you're over water, and so that's amazing. But I also stayed in amazing like we've got the, that classic cedar log cabin out in the woods sure. sort of cabin too. So it's, we've got we've got lots, and it's all it's all cabin country. You know, yep. you just get basically an hour from any city. And you're you're either in cabin country or you're in farm country, basically. Right. Right. Huh. Oh, it sounds great.
0: Well, yeah, cabin country out in the Pacific Northwest. I have to. Uh, a
1: different animal, but the same the same core. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: Doubt. Without a doubt. What else can we ask? Anything we're forgetting, Matt? That we we should.
2: You could ask me about my next book. Yes, that's true. What is the next book.
0: Just brand new. Has it even I'm, has I'm, it been I'm released think,
1: yet? I'm thinking those those forests. I'm thinking you got a a big dumb mammals book coming out at some point. <laughs>
2: Actually, um, so the field guide to dumbbirds in North America has been, has done really well. It's been really popular. People love it. And so I thought naturally I need to make this real for everyone. So I did a book called the field guide to dumb birds of the whole stupid world. <laughs> and, and so this is just, it just takes it outside of the North American continent and sure. um, similar format, um, similar art, similar writing um, but all new birds, and I've got birds from every continent in there, and some new maps, excellent, and, and all kinds of new stuff. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It comes out October fifth. Um, you can pre-order it now in certain places like Amazon, oh, yeah. IndieBook.org. Go to your local bookstore and tell them you want a copy when sure. it when it's ready, and the, and they'll they'll order it for you. But that'll be fun. And then following that, I don't have a on shelf date yet, but there'll be an actual bird field guide or excuse me, a bird journal for people who want to keep their own bird journal and do their own shitty drawings of birds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it'll be full of elders you know, snarky quotes and some hint tips on drawing uh, birds and stuff like that. But I mean, largely it's a, it's, it'll be a legit journal. So that'll, that'll be kind of like the the three book series, I think. Um I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but there's actually a desk calendar too. Oh, there nice. is. Uh, it's a little late to order. I mean, you can if you want to. I highly recommend the 2021 calendar. <laughs> you can still get half a year out of it sure. almost. Um, but there's a 2022 calendar coming out, and uh, that is also available for pre-order now. I think it ships a little maybe later in July. I'm not sure. And that's just a little one-off. That's like one of those little tear-off daily sure. thing and sold. Little pieces, little bits. A a stupid new bird for every stupid new day. (laughs) Just about. Yeah. You know, I
0: I wanted to apologize, Matt, and apologize to our listeners that we didn't get this episode made before Father's Day. We could have had a big push for you, Matt. But, uh, oh, well, Christmas is just around the corner.
1: Holiday season is right around the corner. That's right.
0: So... Got the the North American early Uncle Earl, the whole dumb Absolutely. world, without a
2: doubt. If any of your listeners forgot to get their father's uh, birthday or Father's Day gift this yeah. year, this would be a great thing to to do. Yeah. To show your love through
1: vowel language. Right, right. It's a little bit belated, <laughs> and here you go. Yeah, here it is.
0: One other thing I was gonna ask is if you think that the humor would be lost in translation if you were to do an audiobook version of the, of this, uh, it probably wouldn't. Because well, you got to see the drawings, you know. I mean, it's it's kind yeah. of about the drawings, yeah. video
2: journal or something. I, I imagine it like do you. I don't see. I think we're probably about the same age, and I you grew up on those. You had the little orange record player. Oh yeah. And you put the record on, and then there was the there was the booklet, and you would you know, and it's like it would make the little noise
3: boop, yeah,
2: and you turn the page and it would be like it's like the six million dollar man versus evil Santa Claus or whatever right. and you climb <laughs> yeah. through it and then you have to flip the record like I think that would be the perfect format for this where it's just the pictures and then it just like some some grizzled guy is like and screw this bird oh yeah and then turn the page that sounds so yeah, that'd be good. No, uh, you know, I've had a couple of people approach me about audiobook stuff, and um, you know, I'll usually pass that on to my publisher because technically, I, I'm, I'm uh, obligated to do that. Um, sure. But it would, it would go through them anyway. I should right. say. And so, uh, there's been some talk of it, and, and I don't know um, what will, what will come of that. I'd love to see an audio version. I would like Christopher Walken to read oh, it. Oh, god, <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I don't know if he's available or what's the deal but if if uh, uh, Mr. Walken, if you're out there yeah. I would love for you to to read my book.
1: I'm loving the idea of the old the old classic uh, the film strips that they used to show in class and and the, the film strip was so old everything was turning various shades of kind of maroon, mahogany and yellow, you know.
2: Beep and turn it and there's the you know, this could be right for a Mutual of Omaha Wild Kingdom sort of approach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would love to see it shot on, like, really bad film stock, literally like yeah. from the 70s. And yeah, I'm, I'm staying good. back by the truck while Jim tries to wrestle the... Uh... <laughs> Jim tries to wrestle the chickadee. In right.
1: <laughs> he's chasing the doofus hummingbird, not having great success here, but he's got a net.
0: We'll, we'll see what we can do as part of this show to further exemplify the greatness of this book the field guide
1: yeah i'm hoping you don't mind Matt, if we if we, uh, we pimp it up a little bit on the show because uh i don't mind we, at all we would love like, to get yeah. le- get the word out there that this is something that everybody ought to have
2: on yes. the coffee
1: table by god
2: i love the attention it turns out that i like being an author um it's it's funny like being an author and being a writer are two different things and right. and my my publicist and my agent are both constantly telling me how nice it is that i actually like to talk to people um there's a lot of well i mean a lot of authors they're like i read a book and now everybody go read it and and somebody says like yeah can you be on this podcast or do you want to do the signing or whatever and i guess they just they don't like that and um and i think it's fun i like i like people i like talking to people and uh and i like the attention let's be honest (laughs) without a doubt
0: well that's cool i i've i've no doubt that you're going to be uh happily busy guy for the next several years so I would think I so would think. F- thanks a
1: ton for spending your time with us indeed. here indeed it's been great having you and uh, my
2: pleasure we're,
1: we're not we're not done talking up your book that's for sure
2: thanks so much for having me on your show I, it's really fun let's do it again sometime absolutely Excellent. absolutely
1: well that was a wonderful interview fuddums was a lot of, lot of great insight there from matt
0: i have to admit i i for some reason thought that uh, Matt himself would be just kind of as cranky as (laughs) the style that he writes in his books right but quite the opposite as you know he's he's a wonderfully nice guy and it's it's just kind of a characterization yeah yeah the the idea of an angry artist just kind of like
1: character he goes into absolutely
0: excellent stuff so thanks so much Matt for a great Interview and spending some of your valuable time
1: well, it was so much fun too to hear that there, there's you know a cabin country of the Pacific Northwest who yeah. takes on so many different uh, phases, yeah. so much to see, so much to do and, and so many different aspects of cabin life and yeah, a, a wonderfully uh, conversant gentleman you know yeah uh, which after you 've read the book, yeah all you can think is like the sort of the archie bunker of, of outdoors <laughs> life here, but uh, <laughs> A, you know, a true artist and creative writer, and uh, he had me fooled. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he had me fooled. I was like, "This is a guy who has several ten and twelve gauges sitting around the cabin, <laughs> right. fully loaded, and a binocular pair waiting." You know, and no, he's actually a, a great fan of the outdoor life as well. He just this was this was uh, an avenue for creativity that he really yeah really made his own so that, was, what that fun. was so much fun
0: and the book is easy to find you can find it on yes. amazon the field guide to dumb birds of north america and his brand new one the field guide to dumb birds of the whole stupid world
1: the whole stupid world so so uh, birds maybe you're going to see in i can't in Europe, wait to get that one too north africa who knows you know right welcome to australia
0: well, and you and I are going to have uh, actually. It's, we're we're kind of behind uh, this year. A little on behind our schedule. Summer trip. That's all
1: right. We're going to get up there and uh, kind of stop. One for me will be the corner store and talking about a, a fishing license. I was going to get, yep. get that taken care of. Get that because I need a license to sit in your tracker or on the dock and cast about two thousand five hundred times <laughs> and catch several pounds of weeds of, of salad. Uh, but. Uh, we do things by the book around here. That's I right. Gosh, you never know. It's, it's our smallmouth might might end up on the the hook of one of my jitterbugs.
0: We'll see. Right. We'll see. Or maybe the chipmunk the lure. The
1: chipmunk will finally earn its keep. Yeah, we'll give
0: that a try and um, listen to a radio show or two. Without and it down. Uh, We're on hopefully, the fire it won't be ring.
1: A little mitz coffee
0: too too hot.
1: You know, too
0: still hot, still man. enjoy some hot coffee no matter how hot it gets up there.
1: It's never too hot for a couple mints. That's right. That's never right. too hot for a couple mints or five. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed.
0: Well, excellent. Well, thanks for hanging with us again. That's right. Um, here on the dock. Glad and, to have uh, you. Learning about all kinds of...
1: Summer's here. Get a line birds. in the water. Exactly. For Pete's sake. Make it happen. All right. Well, we'll see you next time here on Cabin Country.